Welcome to another inspirational My Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Caleb Davidson. To find out more about My Church, visit mychurchcanada.com. Some of you are in church for the first time and you're not sure how to take me. Well, boy, if you thought that was bad, we're about to talk about pornography today. <laughs> no, it's going to be the most banging message you've ever heard. <laughs> All right. On that note, if you've got kids here today, you should leave with them right now. Um, and you think I'm joking, but I'm, I'm actually dead serious. Unless you want your kids to get a very graphic depiction of what is about to happen here, it is going to go there, all right? So I do want to give forewarning, and if they stay, that's on you, not on me. You're going to have to talk about the birds and the bees way before it may be time, okay? But uh, we are going to talk about it. And uh, so just get them registered in the kids program if you can, and, uh, and we'll have a good little discussion here today. I think it's one of these subject matters that, to be quite honest, uh, I was telling Colin, I was telling my wife, I was like, man, I'm actually really excited about talking about this subject matter. One, because of just the sheer amount of people who are uh, really just, uh, you know, there's a borderline, you know, there's really much debate around this, but addicted to it. I think the church has definitely claimed the word addiction and likes to throw it around in regard to this whole thing. But regardless of what you think, it's a, if it's complete addiction or if it's a compulsion attraction, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the reality is it's, a, it's definitely a thing today that I think that we need to talk about. So um, we're going to talk about pornography, and we're going to talk about why the heck people love it so much. I know no one in the church would admit such a crazy thing, but the reality is the stats within the church are as high as outside the church. And so as a matter of fact, I would say that because shame and religious shame, uh, I think that we love to kind of, you know, what is the word I'm looking for? We love to label people in the church as almost like, unclean lepers of sexual perverts if they are found dabbling in pornography and because of that secrecy ends up becoming like a snare where they're not able to talk about it and just talk if you're able to just to talk about it and just bring it to the light you know what happened is a lot less stigma would be associated around it and we could actually get the help we need or or just the accountability we need but the reality is because it's so shamed it ends up shunning many people and because it shuns, it only leaves, gives more way to secrecy and then emotional distance between spouses. And it ends up just doing, wreaking havoc where it didn't have to. And, uh, and so let's just talk about this. Hey, I'm going to title this one, uh, if, let's talk about, let's say porn. If porn is so bad, why do I love it so much? Okay, that's what I'm going to call this one. So you can title that down. And uh, we're going to get into this discussion. But there's a couple things I want to say right from the onset is one, my objective today, my objective, as many of you may know, is, is not to, uh, or as many of you may be guessing, I think there's some people in the room who's like, yeah, your objective is to condemn it, it's sinful, it's wicked, you know, God is, I'm not here to condemn it, so if that's why, what you think I'm about to do right now, no, I'm not going to condemn it. You think, what, the Bible says, all right, well, let the Bible do it, but I'm not going to, because I don't think anything helpful happens in that regard. You know what condemnation is? It just gets you into a cycle of wanting to repeat the very thing that you feel condemned about. Because nothing positive comes from condemnation. Because I always, I teach all the time that grace is the empowerment of God to live a godly, sober, to deny ungodly lusts. Titus 2.11, anybody? Grace is what teaches us, not condemnation. Condemnation actually causes us to repeat the very thing that we loathe. Paul said, the good I want to do, I do not do, but the bad I don't want to do, ah. Why do I keep doing this thing? I don't want to do it, but I keep giving. Okay, here's the thing. I think that condemnation is a major part of that. So I'm not going to condemn. But some of you are going, well, why would you condemn? You should be condoning. We live in grace after all. No, whoa, slow that train down. I'm not going to condone it either. Okay, I'm not going to condemn it, nor am I going to condone it. Because some people think, what's the problem? If they're all consensual and everyone's in agreement, go have at it. It's a great way to kind of alleviate yourself, if you know what I'm saying. And so it's a great way to kind of, you know, buffer and kind of keep in, you know, in the right parameters all these urges and surges so you don't go out and do something you might regret. What is done in secret, no one needs to know about. Let's just go have at it. And so here's the thing. There's two sides to this conversation. One is where we make people like unclean lepers, where we're going to call them sexual perverts. The other is saying, yo, like if it didn't hurt anybody, go, have, go nuts. You know what I'm saying? Let's go and be free in a world of anything goes. But I don't think it's nor condemning nor condoning that I'm after as much as I'm after confronting. 
I'm after confronting and actually having a conversation, if I could use the same con. I'm doing cons here. You see, condemn, condone, but converse. How about that? You see, how I work at these sermons, you know. It gets a little bit quicker as time goes on as you preach more, but, but I'm not here to convict you around it. I'm here to confront you around it. I'm here to have a conversation around it and talk about the real-life consequences of dabbling in an industry that is known for all kinds of exploitive measures. And I, I want to just talk about it because the reality is, is that, well, for eight years, I've actually kind of, I've actually kind of dodged this one and, and kind of cloaked my messages so you could apply it if you want. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm on the other side of a big season. And I'm kind of charting my own path. And I kind of just said to my wife, screw it. I'm going to start doing me and talking about the things that need to be talked about. Stop dodging around it, trying to cloak it, and trying to do all these things. I'm just going to talk about it, and hopefully I can help some people out there. And you know what? I probably will learn from my own ways of talking about certain things and how to do it better and better over time. So I'm going to have at this as best I can. But one thing I know for sure is that the days of sweeping under a rug, here's what I've learned, is that the more you fail to deal with your issues, the more your issues deal with you. And so... There are so many people, both men and women alike nowadays, who are coming forward, especially in an age where it ain't like the old days, folks, where you got to run to the porn shop and get a, a dirty mag. Are you guys going to be saying? You know, back in the day, it was like, I got to go find my uncle's stash under his mattress, you know, and kind of steal one and then bring it back to this place. And so that we could, it ain't the days where you have to go and actually, because there was one thing about seeing a static image and, and having that just be it, and then kind of just going back and having to go like to a point where things have progressed. You see, you have to go find a Meg. Then it was, okay, now we've we're, we got VHS films, so now we have to go to like Rogers Plus Video and go to that pervert room, you know what I'm saying? That everyone knows. You're like, oh gosh, this is the most embarrassing thing ever. This is like a picture and everyone's gone. Okay, sweet, can I get, get the rental? Okay, sweet, and duck out of there before anyone saw you. Whereas nowadays, see, the thing is, is that it was a lot less accessible back in the day. And so... The, the kind of things that we're seeing across the board, the kind of, uh, the kind of practices and the kind of uh, just social, social, what am I looking for here? Like the, uh, the socializing of all this has become much different in today's world. This ain't like the olden days. What I'm trying to say is now you got poly pocket porn sitting right there in your back pocket. And now the accessibility to these things has gone through the roof where did you know that there are major scientific research journals producing all this literature today on how pornography is actually shaping society, affecting marital relationships, affecting young people at an alarming rate, more than it ever has in the history of humanity. And this is not something that has been talked about a lot, but nowadays, because we've come into an era where smartphones and socialism, like uh, socialism, socializing, <laughs> you never know nowadays. Where are we on that one for? Anyways, whatever. Uh, socializing. Um, I've been watching too much of those stupid videos on my social, like, uh, you know, little phone. But you get what I'm trying to go here with that. You heard, I know you heard what I said, but you know what I meant. Okay. Is there's some things we need to talk about. So I want to do that. First, I want to read from the Bible, though, first. And 1 Corinthians 6 says, flee sexual morality. Those who commit, you know, sexual sin actually don't realize that they're actually sinning against their own selves, their own body. But then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 to 8, it says God's, uh, God's will is that you should be sanctified, holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Now notice this, the Bible says that we ought to avoid sexual immorality. Um, in other words, the Bible in other translations would say flees, 1 Timothy 2, 2, 2 uh, I think it's 22, 220 to 22. It says, um, you guys can keep that up there, but I'm just quoting some other ones. It says flee sexual immorality and pursue righteousness and love, and, and godliness, and faith. So the idea is, is that the Bible actually doesn't have a, a whole lot of things it tells you to flee, but when it comes to sexual immorality, that's one of them. So the idea is to flee people, not to flirt with it, kind of brush up, see how close you can get. Some people ask, young people ask me all the time, how, how far can I go before it's sin? You're asking the wrong question. It's not about your virginity. It's about your purity. And that's why I've seen some people who are no longer virgins who are more pure than some Christians who have yet to give their virginity because they're not as dirty thinking and so pot, you know, the potty mouth, you know, as some of the people I hang out with in the church. And this is be a revelation for some people out there to realize, yo, like the church is like made up of all kinds, okay? So if you thought you're going to come meet holiness here, well, we're all on a journey, okay? And so please understand that. But 
my, my point in saying this is that we're not to flirt nor to flaunt. I mean, you go to certain, you know, places and hangouts with certain people, and you'll see them flaunting their sexual morality. But the Bible says, actually, you're to, you're to flee it. You're not to resist it. You're to retreat from it. Now, why? Because here's the deal. This isn't a fight you're going to win. God hardwired you to be sexual innately. And you're designed to be attracted to the other sex and vice versa. You're de- it's hardwired into your very being. That's God's, that's God's design. And this is not something that God is going to go, no, I'm going to, some young people today, I meet them all the time, they're like, come on, can you pray for me? I'm really tempted with these people. I'm like, dude, no amount of praying is going to fix that. <laughs> you go, man, I just, I just, I just want to have sex. You know, I just want to go there. I just, and I'm like, yo, you need to go chew on ice and settle down. Your sexual frustration is palpable. How could you, man, why be such a martyr? Let's just let loose. I need to give in to this urge and this surge. Oh, this is, this is such like, the Bible is so like old fashioned. What are we even talking about? And because we live in a society that's bought a lie that if, hey, if it feels good, do it. If anything should go, you should act on every impulse and every urge and surge. Yet the Bible teaches something very different. It says you ought to manage your mindset. You ought to manage your manliness, friends. You ought to manage the urges and the surges. It says, no, you got to learn how to deal with this. And that's why the Bible would say in Song of Solomon's, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. I'll never forget when I started dating my wife and we both came to each other one night. I kid you not, in the early stages of our relationship, we both came to each other because we were hearing from God and we were doing it God's way and we tried our best to like live a life that would be reflective of integrity and stuff like that. It took me 11 months just to kiss the girl. I'm embarrassed about saying that in today's society because how much we flaunt the, altern- the all opposite of that. But it was 11 months before I laid a lip on that girl's lips. And, and then when I did, because I had a vow to God that I was going to a year and I was in the 11th hour, the 11th month. I gave in, y'all. And I was like, man, the Holy Spirit left. I was such an idiot, you know, and I, I was that guy, you know, but, but the reality is, is that I remember one night coming back home and she goes, the Lord spoke to me and gave me a scripture. I said, the Lord spoke to me and gave me a scripture. We both came with the exact same scripture to each other. Song of Solomon 8, I think it was verse 4, if, I, if my memory serves me correct. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. See, friends, what many young people aren't taught today, what many people are not, uh, you know, given an education around is that love is like a fire. It ain't like, you know, many people would liken porn to like sexual junk food. Many researchers are like, oh, I'm not sure if it's an addiction because, you know, gambling and eating aren't termed addiction. Although I think there are many addictive qualities to both. So whether you want to call it addiction or not, they'd say alcoholism, smoking, nicotine, stuff like that, drugs, those are more commonly held to an addictive like definition. However, the correlation of the qualities of each are staggering. I'm talking like nine out of 11 qualities are identical in either field, whether it's eating, whether it's porn use, or whether it's gambling, it's all very similar. And so my point is, is like, let's, whatever you want to call it, let's call it a compulsion or an addiction, whatever. There is something negative about the word addiction, I think, because many of us think, oh, if I'm addicted, therefore I'm a slave to that addiction. I have no power over it. Romans 6.14 says, however, that sin shall no longer have dominion over you. So I don't care if it's an addiction that you're coming here with or a compulsion. The reality is, is that it is and shall not define you because the Bible is strictly declared that sin shall not have dominion over you because you're under grace. See, the power of no more condemnation is the thing that you need to bring it to the light and bring it out of secrecy so that you can actually help fortify yourself and get the help that you need to overcome the things that maybe you're, not, you're a little bit less proud of in that regard. But my point is, is that love is like a fire. It's not like a, it's not like a hunger. It's like a passion. I know that many of you have, we've described sexual appetite like a, like, yo, you thirsty, you know, like, <laughs> what, I can't talk like y'all talk? <laughs> You're looking at such and such Susie over there who's like playing the field and you go, man, she's thirsty, y'all, like, she's, she needs to calm down, you know, like, you look desperate, you know, like, all these different things, but the reality is, you understand, when you arouse and you awaken that love, when you arouse it, when you stimulate it, you understand it's like throwing a log on a fire. It doesn't get satisfied ever where you get full. It only grows larger. It only becomes more consuming. So the understand, this is God's design equally so that in a marriage context, you actually continue to bond and build together as a married couple. This is God's idea that you grow in that love and that, you, that love take, goes on from strength to strength, glory to glory, you know, 
upwards and onwards into the more of God. Praise the Lord, all right? There's a reason I got four children, okay? And uh, the reality is some of you could stand to have more too. Come on, people, let's grow the church, okay? But young people, hear what I'm trying to say first, is that do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. See, I, I think that we have this idea that, that, that sex, that porn, these things are something that we ought to like, oh, we can brush up with it, we can dabble with it. But you don't want to realize that it's, you know, many of you have been caught in the web, not caught yet maybe on the web, but you've been caught in the web already of pornography. Some of you, no one knows about your secret yet, do they? But the reality is they need to. And this is maybe the difference between privacy and secrecy. What's the difference? Is secrecy is typically directly tied to shame. So that's typically where secrecy happens, where a spouse, where nothing should be secret, is now secret because if I were to tell that person, I would crush them. They would feel betrayed. They'd feel insecure. They would no longer feel like they're beautiful. they think, why are you not being satisfied fully within me? And now how am I supposed to compare myself to a little Barbie doll princess over there photoshopped and air, you know, airbrushed? You know, um, how am I supposed to compare to that? And so then all of the vicious cycle then happens, and we'll get into that in a moment, but you can see where this is going. And so what I'm trying to say is that love, friends, is like a passion. It is not, it's to be fleed because God knows this is not something you're going to win at. You poke the bear, it's going to wake up. All right? And so you got to understand this is the fight you need to flee from, not flirt with. And so Bible says flee sexual immorality. Yes, uh, sorry, uh, that each of you should learn to control, take this out, learn to manage your own body. See, the Bible does not say that you should just give in to every urgent surge. Some people think it's, oh, I forget the word I'm looking for, but it's like kind of like, it's like, oh, man, how abusive is this? I, I should be able to just give in to it. It's, if it's, it's if something natural, I should do it. But actually, the Bible actually says, yeah, you've got natural instincts, urges and surges, but they're not, that doesn't mean you should act on them every time. Sometimes I get mad and want to punch people in the face. doesn't mean I do it. You know, I don't know why I said that, but... But sometimes you want to, you know, get urgent surgery. Like, I want to jump their bones. Doesn't mean, just because you can doesn't mean you should. It's a good principle to live by. Either way, you're called, according to the Bible, that each of you should learn to control your own body. See, God's not going to take these desires away. He's going to grow you within the distress. Psalm, what is it in the book of the Psalms? It says, God, in my hour of distress, you enlarge me. He doesn't rescue you from the, the problem. He grows you within the problem and helps you to manage it. All right? And so in this case... Uh, says, in a way that is holy and honorable. See, the idea is holiness and honor. And what does honor look like in the context of a relationship? So I think that, you know, if you really look at the language of the word of God, each of us are brother and sister until you take that person to be your lawful wedded wife or husband, and then quickly you're no longer brother and sister. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if we're to honor one another as a brother and sister in the body of Christ, then I think young people you want to know how far you should go. Would you do it with your sister? Would you do it with your brother? I just set the, the playing field pretty high now, didn't I? You're like, ooh, 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 hey, you're welcome. See, you've been asking dumb questions and don't be surprised by getting a good answer. Do you get what I'm saying? Because some of you wanna flirt with this thing, like how close can I get before I get burned? I don't know anybody like that. You know, my kid's like, how close can I get to the element before I burn myself? No, they do it one time and they go, oh shoot, I'm not gonna do that again. And the reality is it's about holiness and it's about honor. And it's not in passionate lust like pagans. See, who do not know God? See, the, the Bible it says, it's like, you gotta understand, what am I operating in, lust or love? Why is it that we wanna, see, and this is something that Jill and I had to do in our dating life. It was literally, I was so serious about this thing of lust and love. I was like, I respect you enough not to go there. Even though I want to. It's not like, it's, it's not you, it's definitely me. Oh my God. <laughs> right? Just sit on my hands, you know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, just, I mean, because look at her. I mean, she's beautiful. But, you know, pitter-patter, they say. No, okay. Uh, this is the one sermon where I'm going to have fun with this. We got to keep going, though, for time. I actually went to her parents one, one day because I would, I would sleep there a lot in another room, of course. And her parents would uh, be there. And I'll never forget looking at Bernice and David. I walked downstairs and said, listen. And they were sitting there about to have breakfast, and I, I looked in the eyes. Tell me what young person dating someone's daughter would do this, man. I'm like, yo, this is, I'm proud of this moment. I looked up and said, yeah, I want to have sex with your daughter. 
and I need your help. They're like, what? I said, you know, young people talk about accountability these days. And they go to their friend who's living on the other side of the city and they're supposed to somehow like help them in that moment where your brain's going like, Woo, you're seeing stars and all you want is you know, such and such a thing. I said, no greater accountability than my girlfriend's parents. What do you say? Are you up for it? And they looked at me. I think Bernice almost dropped her cereal at the time. And she was like, oh my God, who is sleeping in the other room next to my daughter? And I'm just here to let you guys know if any of you are doing that, every young person is sleeping like that. That is something that we all need help with. And if you want real accountability, I just suggest, why not go to the end? Why not take it there? See how that goes down. I promise you, the days of being alone in the basement in the, watching like the Titanic, that was my generation, okay? <laughs> this night will go on, you know, it's like, mom and dad are coming down, what are you guys doing? And it was just any weird, fast shuffling, out of here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, and so, the idea, guys, is, I think you see what I'm working towards is honor. It's about holiness. The, the idea is, Non-passionate lust, like the pagans do, and then I don't know—it's old-school language, okay? But pagans cool. Just uh, people who are in church, okay? People that are basically—this is—you uh, could—I don't know—you get it. Um, it's basically saying it's about lo love. It's, it shouldn't be about lust and just getting off and getting your desires met. You know, pornography is hinged on the fact that it's about you getting off. But yet, Ephesians five says to love your husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, who gave himself for her. A love marked by what is it? Not getting. You know why some people's sex life sucks so bad? It's because all they are caring about is just getting off. All they care about is what they stand to receive in the nature. And so any, even sometimes any giving will be only so they, it's like you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Pardon the pun. You know what I mean? And the whole idea of, of the, the kind of love that the Bible is actually telling us to do, it's actually saying don't even worry about your needs in that sense. Why not just focus entirely on giving? A love marked by giving, because that is the nature of love. Love is giving, not getting. But pornography is all about consumption and meeting your own sexual urges and, 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 and surges. And so it's all about you not realizing that it's, it's actually solidifying and reinforcing a really poor mindset to come in and actually experience a good, godly marriage. And so what happens, it says, and in this manner, matter, no one should wrong, take wrong or take advantage of a, check this out, brother or sister. Here it is again. Don't take advantage of a, who? A brother or sister. See, young people, you want to know what to do and how far is too far? Would you go there with your sister? Some of you have like a bathing suit rule. That would still be weird in the brother or sister category. <laughs> if you touch places that the bathing suit didn't, you know, some of you like two feet on the ground and it's cool, you know, like we're good. As long as my feet are on the ground, we're good, right? But as soon as they get two toes up in the bunk, you know, it's like, hey, things happen. weird stuff happens, you know? Some of you are looking at me like I'm really old fashioned too, by the way. You're like, man, this is so like, oppressive. No, actually, this is a limitation that's designed for your liberation. So you get the most out of your relationships. And I'm going to get, like, if you think I'm just going to give you Bible, I'm going to give you Bible with social science and actual scientific journal proving the words that I tell you today. So you can, if you can say, well, I'm about science. Okay, well, we'll talk science then, and I'll hit you right there. And we'll make sure that you understand that even science agrees with what is true in the Word of God, which is ironic that it be true, that it should be only confirmed over and over again. So, how do we do this? We mess around before we're married with someone else's potential spouse, is how I look at it. Every time we're messing around with somebody else, you understand, if you're not actually gonna be their spouse or, or their, you know, husband or wife, then ultimately, you are just messing and bringing unnecessary baggage into someone else's marriage. And I think that if love is the filter in which love leads us and guides us, not law, but love, right? It's, we're not only led by a bunch of do's and don'ts, laws, like thou shalt not. Who cares about that whole thing? It doesn't even work to help you be holy, but you know what it does? Love. And the person of God living on the inside of you helps you live a righteous, holy, godly kind of life. And so when love is the filter, now all things are permissible. I can do whatever I want, but not all things are beneficial, Paul says. In other words, Caleb's version of the Bible, of New Testament kind of theology, says you can do whatever you want. You have the freedom of choice, but you do not have freedom of consequence. And so understand you're, if you really want to, you could probably cut some corners here and there and you might think, I got away with it. Well, great. That doesn't mean you're going to come out unscathed. And I think that's where we go, well, I can, if I can get away with it, let's just take this, take that, and let's see what I can get away with. It's not, a, see, that's the whole, it's the wrong premise in which we're even starting the conversation. It, it needs to be understood that, listen, 
It's about not letting love lead is then therefore going, therefore I'm not going to wrong someone or take advantage of them who is ultimately a brother or sister in Christ. The Lord will, will make sure that all those who commit such sins will live in the full consequence of such, as we have told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects the instructions does not reject a human being. I don't care if you don't like what I say. You're rejecting not me, you're rejecting God's truth in the word of God, which ultimately, you can reject a police officer's authority. Can't you? You say, well, hey, I don't agree with what you have to say right now, police officer, and guess what? At a certain point, if you keep resisting, they're not gonna care. They're gonna slam you over the hood, throw cuffs on you, and take you to, to jail for a night. Because guess what? It doesn't matter if you wanna recognize authority or not. You could choose not to, and you know what? You might get away with it here or there until you get caught in the web and get caught on the web. You're gonna find that the authority that God is giving you in the truth of his word has authority, and it does not return. You will live in the consequences of such choices. You know how chains are formed? Chains, this is the acronym chains. Chains are made with C, choices. Choices that get repeated become habits. Write this down. Choices, choices become habits. Habits, once they become habituation, right, they become automatic. And what has become automatic in our, in our, in our eyes becomes what we know as our identity. That's just who I am, right? And this is a huge thing about the, the lie that society has given you today, that your sexuality is who you are. What a bunch and load of nonsense. You are way more than your sexuality. Can I just say, your sexuality, you know you can train your sexuality? You might have a disposition, you might have an orientation. Who cares? Who cares? Good for you. The reality is, however, is that you are not defined by it in any way. Because God created you to be so much more than that one area of your life. The reality is your choices become habits. Habits become automatic. What is automatic in your life becomes your identity. And what becomes your identity, we think, is our nature. Chain. Do you see what I'm saying to you guys here today? Choices, habits, automatic, identity, nature. And so for many of us, we feel so enslaved by what has now become automatic because you haven't realized how strong you've ingrained a habit in your life that has become so automatic in, in, in your identity that you think it's your nature to do these things. And therefore, let's start the conversation. Let's get into the actual bits and pieces about pornography in this thing because what I know about pornography, addiction or habit, who cares? At the end of the day, the principle is still underlying for each. Is that porn, the reason that so many of you like it so much and keep going back to it, regardless of how, even if you try to stop, many of you struggle to do it, is this is, I'm gonna tell you why that is. But before I do, let's get into a couple ways in which porn is affecting you personally. One, it is affecting you because it's, it's, it's let's just go to get the, 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 the light stuff off the way, even though it's not light, but it's, it's some heavy stuff, but let's just, Get some stuff. It, objectif it, it objectifies women. Anyone who would argue that, seriously, I don't even know how we have a conversation on this. It's, it's so obvious in the way that we objectify women in the use of this industry. The reality is, is that porn, on the other hand, objectifies women. It turns women into things that are only to gratify a sexual urge and vice versa. Porn eliminates the need to connect with a woman emotionally or even in intellectually for that matter, it becomes, we, 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 we boil down a sexual interaction to a transaction rather than an interaction. It becomes what I can get rather than what, I, what we can mutually have together. So it objectifies women in that sense. And even people within the porn industry would, are already having big conversation about this. I just encourage you to go online and, and read it yourself. But for sake of time, let's keep going. Uh, it supports the filthy industry. No one's gonna deny that. Uh, sex industry, along with sex trafficking, are directly correlated. Um, almost none of my friends, I, I don't know any of my friends who might go and hire a prostitute for sex. But, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people are doing that. And the idea of paying a stranger for sex violates a lot of people's sense of propriety. But porn is basically prostitution a few steps removed, if you really break it down. No matter how do you slice it or rationalize it, if you're gonna pay a stranger to have sex, or in this case, to have sex in front of you. A lot of people would never do that in a live setting, but we do it behind the anonymity of a keyboard, which makes a lot of sense, obviously. But let's cut it the way it needs to be cut here, people. 
let's not say, oh, it's all good. No one's getting hurt. Well, the reality is the, the more you consume this stuff, the more porn is made. And even if you're sitting in the den at home in Ottawa somewhere, you've had a hand literally in making the industry grow. Forgive me. But there's, yeah, I'm going to use discretion. I'm going to move on. Number three, can we talk about this? It's going to mess with your expectations of sex. Some of you young people out there, your first introduction into the sexual world has been pornography. And so you're getting, you're taking your cues from porn. Like this is what sex is going to be like. <laughs> I mean, the moaning, the groaning, like the, the whole like, you're going to last 10 minutes. I mean, this is like, this is a joke. <laughs> I'll never forget the time my wife came up here and said, hey, we have fun. It was really short one time. I'll never lived it down in the life of our church. And I was like, are you serious right now? Did that just happen in the, I, it's not what you meant. It's of course, it's, of course it's not what you meant. It's what everyone heard, right? Um, <laughs> but my point is, is that porn, when you take your cues from it, you have to understand it's a, it's not a normal stimulus. It's a super stimulus. Again, this is like, everything's exaggerated to give you the kind of thing that you want to get. And you can search like, I want this, that, and the other thing, and you get exactly, they, they create porn around people's fetishes. So it gets crazy and kinky, and we'll get into that in a second, but it's gonna mess with your expectations between the sheets, why? Uh, well, because it creates an unrealistic expectation in the midst of people who, about what love and sex is. In porn, the women are always, you know, this way and that way, airbrushed and bodies. Best of all, women don't talk. Men have to worry about, you know, they, can, they don't have to worry about interaction within the whole moment. They're not talking to each other or communicating, which is probably one of your best ideas to experience a great sex life. You know, um, in this case, many women have complained how painful things were and what have you because porn also will put on fantasy over the situation. So when you get in the sack with someone for real, what happens is you start to project your pornography sex ed into the moment and then they, you want to do things that you thought were awesome in porn but actually aren't socially normal at all. And so women are being, and vice versa, you've heard both sides of the coins on this one through interaction, are being forced into things they are absolutely not comfortable with but yet they're feeling that they have to because, well, this is what normal is, right? And like, who told anybody that? But we're taking cues from the world, not the word. And so what we end up coming out with is something really distorted and messed up. And... Anyways, we can keep going. But young people, can I just say this? You, can have it, you can't have it both ways. You cannot enjoy immediate gratification of thousands of virtual sex partners and then expect to have long-term satisfaction with one person in real relationship. John Mayer is quoted um, as laying in bed in, in, into uh, one of the Playboy magazines, The Sun Online, with this thing. he was basically saying, before I get out of bed some mornings, I've already looked through 300 you know, images of a woman before I found that one that satisfied me. 300. He's not abnormal, by the way. And I'll talk about why they would go to so many. Is one not enough? I'll tell you why that happens in a moment. But what happens is he's gone through 300. You can't expect to play and objectify a woman where everyone's there to design to meet your needs and then think that one woman now is going to do it. It's going to really mess your expectations up. And you're going to start to project fantasy over your sex life. That's a big rule in our house. We don't have sex with our eyes closed. We look at each other. Some of you are really uncomfortable with you saying that. No, look at each other when you have sex. Look at each other right in the eyes. Like, why? Because, guys, when you close your eyes, yeah. Some people, you saw images when you're young, but you projected over a moment. And you're not living in the moment, you're living outside of the moment. You're projecting something that you saw before. A porn brained man also pushes. His women do think things are not comfortable, seeking to act out exotic scenes in the sex film he's seen, or, and vice versa. Uh, you know, on sites like Jezebel, writers in which uh, are far from prudish women, women explain that men of this generation will sometimes do things like that are way past what is cool. I'm not going to go even go what they actually do. I think that every woman thinks that this is really awesome and hot. They're turned on by it, but what a sad commentary on the state of affairs today. Number four, let's move on. It creates and diminishes your sexual pleasure. Porn will actually kill your, your libido. It's going to kill your sex drive. You think, what? It's going to increase it. No, no, no. Did you know that 40 years ago, erectile dysfunction was like a thing that only older people talked about? And in today's generation with poly pocket porn, erectile dysfunction is a massive, massive problem. Yes, I said erectile dysfunction. Deal with it. Okay? 
the reality is, is that I've counseled several people in over the years who are in their 20s, and their researchers are actually alarmed. They're like, whoa, at an alarming rate, we're seeing more and more young people, young men, who are not able to stay in action. They're out of service, okay? And the reason they're out of service, I want to tell you why, is because how, what pornography does and how it affects you. We're talking about that, how it affects you, right? Okay, it affects, you see, many of you thought, oh man, it should be no harm. My sex organs, what's between my legs? No, no, that's not true. Your greatest sex organs between your ears. It's your brain. And so what is happening within sexual intercourse, within sexual images, static or video, what is going on in the life of our brains? What we often, this is the biggest part of the, of the story that we need to take into account, is that your brain is made up of hundreds of billions of cells called neurons, like nerve cells. Now neurons, they basically communicate to each other. And the way they communicate to each other is they send, and, and, and through a process of, of electrical chemical kind of process called, uh, you know, messaging each other through a neurochemical chemical process, it, they send neurotransmitters toward the other neuron. So they send a signal, in other words. Let's just dumb it down, okay? And so they send this neurotransmitter into what is called the space between each neuron. It's called the synapse, okay? And so, come on, neurologists out there, okay? So the space between each neuron, oh, okay. you guys are funny. Uh, I like to feel educated, but for a moment, okay? But the space between neurons is called the synapse. Now, they send a neurotransmitter called dopamine into that synapse, and it communicates to the other neuron. Now, when it communicates to the other neuron, the other neuron's receptors, okay, it receives the message through a receptor. Now, what happens is, once they've communicated to each other, then that neuron who's received the message looks to communicate to another neuron, and it fires off a signal, in other words, and it starts to create what looks like almost like a, a root of a tree growing up in your, in your mind. It goes, like picture turning on your Christmas lights and it goes, that's kind of what happens. The neurons communicate to each other, and this is a saying, neurons that fire together, wire together. So this is what many of us don't understand about our brains when this is happening. When you start doing an activity, that activity, if it feels good, it accesses the reward center of your brain that releases a drug called dopamine. Dope. I mean. It's dope. You like dopamine. As a matter of fact, addiction is not caused by the drug entering into the bloodstream. They've actually narrowed it down. The addiction is actually, what that drug does is induces the reward center to release dopamine, and it is dopamine that an addict is actually addicted to. So dopamine is like heroin on the brain, literally. That's researchers, this is their language. It is like heroin on the brain. So dopamine, what is dopamine? It is the thing that gives you motivation to seek out a reward. So dopamine is a, is a drug that your, is your brain releases, okay, to motivate you and to drive you to want to experience a reward. So when something, when you're doing an activity and that activity leads to a reward for you, so an orgasm in this case, Okay, a big O. What happens is that big O all of a sudden triggers reward, reward. That felt amazing. Do that again. And your brain, get this, records the path you took to get to the reward and it banks it. It's like, it's like saving a route on your GPS system. You saved a route and all of a sudden, anytime you cross that route, it goes boom. As soon as, like, because these, these, picture like, uh, so this is what, when it becomes a path, it's called a neuron, a, a neuropathway, neurological pathway. So what is happening is, uh, picture yourself walking through the forest, and there's no trail there. So you start to walk through, and then you walk back on that same forest. You can see broken twigs. You can see the grass now pressed down from the one time you traveled on it. Now picture taking that same path every day for the next week. All of a sudden, it becomes a little bit more groomed, and it gets a little bit, it's a rough road. It's a dirt road. But when you see experience reward at the end of it, your brain remembers the route you took, and now all of a sudden, it, it starts to make it easier to access the path. It starts to groom the path for you. It releases another chemical, delta phosphate, which is like inviting the military into that, like, you know, kind of like now kind of dirt road, and it paves it, cuts out all the trees, and goes, amazing! You know, it's like, this is like, 
This is what is happening in your brain. It says, I like what I just experienced. I'm gonna remember how the heck you got here. I'm gonna make a road. I'll, I'll pave that road. No longer on the old town road. We're walking on the wicked. Oh, this is gonna be awesome, right? And I'm gonna ride. Oh, this is another scenario, I'm sorry. So do you get what I'm saying? So this is what is going on in your brain. Your brain remembers and, and, and calculates the root and remembers the root. So now, let's say, there's a couple ways I'm going with this, but I'm going to just explain the process, then we'll talk about all the effects. Every time you access porn, you open up your, TV, your computer screen late at night. And so what, what you don't realize is that now is part of the, you're crossing paths with an action, an activity that you're doing when you experience the reward. And your brain goes, I remember. <laughs> and it starts talking to you in a nice, sexy voice. You remember. <laughs> One night ago... At 3 a.m. in the morning, you were hunched over with a wad of Kleenex in one hand and a lip screen. I'm not even sorry. Some of you are looking at me like, this is, I'm, hear me, I'm not sorry for going talking about the actualities of what we're doing. I just gave a product placement is all I did. But. My point is, is that it's remembering the route you took. So even if you're in a different environment, now you're at work at 9 a.m. in the morning, but it was like 3 a.m. when you opened your screen. But now all of a sudden you open your screen, all of a sudden, boom, it's like, oh, shoot. Why do I feel aroused? Why am I feeling? And you're looking over there, and like my secretary bent over. Oh, don't look. Why am I looking? And you're like, don't look, don't look. And you keep looking. It's, you want to know what's happening? You're triggered. Because you told your brain this is what you want. You're the one who's training your own brain to, to lock in the route you took. And if the computer is one of the routes you took, every time you open up your computer, no wonder that it's triggering, hey, let's get reward, reward, reward. Or if you trigger it on your phone, no wonder. And so you can imagine what this is creating when you've seen over 300 naked people in one morning, what that's doing when people try to come to church and worship. You think, is he going to go there? Yeah. How's that going for you, fellas? Find a struggle sometimes? Oh, don't. Stop. Oh, what am I doing? Oh. And you know what happens? Social anxiety starts to go up. Because you're thinking, why in the world am I anxious right now? It's because you're getting triggered in environments that you didn't want to get triggered. You know, it's like I heard this story that they have face recognition on TVs. And that's enough, you're going to be able to go like this. With the, as soon as it sees your face, it'll recognize. And it'll actually turn to the channel that you like the most. <laughs> I was like, oh, geez, babe, that's going to be trouble. Having friends over, you sitting in front of the TV, it's like, no! Like, 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 <laughs> it's like, oh, shoot. But a picture like this, picture that happening in church. Where it's bringing up inside of you all the triggers and all the things to bring up an environment that it shouldn't be invited into. What's going on? Well, the problem is that you train your brain and how this affects many things in your life. Let me just give you this. It creates a cycle that diminishes your sexual pleasure. While society has, uh, says that more is always you know, better, you know, in this case, the truth is that moderation is not, in this case, better. Pleasure receptors of your mind are sensitive mechanisms. When you first try something new, be it travel, food, porn, whatever it is, the stimuli easily act activate these receptors. But after repeated exposure to this stimuli, your pleasure plateaus. So this is what's going to happen to you within your sex. This is why many people are thinking, how can my libido, how can my sex drive be affected by watching porn? This is what's going to happen. After you've seen, like, think about, like, going back in the day to, like, ancestors, like, living in caves after Noah's flood. You know what I'm saying? Like, they come out. You're seeing more than they could have dreamed of in a lifetime in a sexual experience in 10 minutes. The accessibility alone is what is, like, a staggering thought. And what's going on is it's triggering people's brains. So I'm losing my train of thought here. Forgive me. So where we are is basically when you get something over and over again at the same time, what they've done is studies. So they had rats in a cage. They basically said, okay, let's put all these females in there. And the rat went around and slept with all the, all, all the female rats until he literally fell over in a, in, a, in a sexual stupor. It was like, I'm so tired, I got nothing left. And so they're like, other rats, the rats were in the cage, kept licking him like, hey, come on, let's keep going, let's do it. And he's like, no, I got nothing more. Until they put a new rat in the cage. All of a sudden, Mr. I'm Too Tired, boom, spikes up. And all of a sudden, dopamine released. What was going on in the process of this study that they realized? That desensitization, 
when something becomes a habit long enough, what happens is desensitization happens. In other words, it's like the economy. Once it gets flooded, everything drops and it's not worth anything anymore. Well, the same happens in, in your brain when, you, when dopamine is released so much in an area of your life. It basically inoc- it, it floods the market, for lack of better language. It, it actually causes the, the receptors to become blunted or dull. And so what it took to get that initial dopamine hit requires a greater dopamine hit now. It's like addiction, see? And so you need to go to some crazier stuff that's gonna shock you to get that system. And this is how the progression of porn gets caught in the web because what is just normal now, just naked woman or vice versa, naked man or whatever it is, now needs something more crazy. And this is why porn has become more and more likened to fetishes and adding in bestiality, adding in all kinds of crazy stuff, gagging, violence. Did you know that violent porn, this is like a norm now, to the point where even child porn is the fastest growing industry in the porn market today. Say, what a vile and disgusting thing. Did you know that teen, 88% of, 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 I think it was Pornhub statisticians, 88% of sex searches had the word teen in it. What's going on? What's going on, I will propose to you, is that, things got to get more and more violent and disgusting because even when something shocks you or, or dis, even though you would say to yourself, I'm disgusted, I'm repulsed by this behavior, when you see something shocking, it releases dopamine and you're not addicted to the image, you're addicted to the, to the dopamine hit. And so you have to get to, it gets progressively crazier and progressively worse with the consumption of this industry. Does this make sense? So what happens is your pleasure center plateaus and you need to look for a greater fix. Hence why John Mayer will look through 300 images until he finds just the right one. His consumption goes way through the roof and you think, what is happening? And it gets kinkier and it gets crazier. And even though you yourself would admit, I'm ashamed of myself for the things I've looked at. I'm ashamed, I'm repulsed by some of the things. This is the nature of what it's gonna take you to, to the point where it can become so addictive until you get that dopamine hit that it can start interfering with work. It can start interfering with your relationships. You can start feeling really crazy. And this is a very real byproduct of what this does. The fifth thing it does is actually, some people think it's gonna increase my sex drive. Well, uh, actually, instead of increasing sexual enjoyment, porn often leads to less satisfying sex in the long run. And for many porn consumers, no sex at all. And the no sex at all are probably people who are married and told their spouse, you know, and said, hey, this is what's going on because a woman would feel betrayed. She'd feel like she's not beautiful anymore. She's gonna think, what's wrong with me? Why would you turn to that when you have me on tap all day? Is there something wrong with my drinks? You know what I'm saying? What's going on? And this is the, the sickle. They're gonna feel like a fool. They could feel all kinds of emotions. Uh, and obviously I'm spe- speaking to one gender in this case, and I, and I understand that, but hear me out. It can often lead to no sex at all. You see, your brain is full of nerve pathways, like I said, that creates a neural pathway. It's kind of like hiking, you know, a hiking map in your head with billions of tiny overlapping trails. Every time you cross these paths, it triggers that thing, and what happens, and so you get the idea, is that it actually destroys your libido and your sex drive, and you're thinking now it leads to no sex at all because oftentimes we think that testosterone is what's responsible for our, as males, we're, that's what we said is responsible for our sex drive, but that's actually not true. That's actually been proven wrong. Despite of how all the cheesy ads out there, like, you know, that stuff. It's not actually true. Testosterone is not what actually creates your sex drive. It's actually dopamine, and dopamine is what triggers your so testosterone is what triggers your dopamine, right? So, but it's actually dopamine that testosterone is, is creating, that is what is creating the desire and the motivation for your sex drive. Um, let's just keep going here. It'll lead to erectile dysfunction. Now, why is that? See, what happens is when they get in the sack between the sheets with someone in real life now, what can happen is because your, your sensories and your receptors are already blunted and dulled, what happens is, and they're so overloaded with the market of dopamine that's already happening, because you've seen the craziest and kinkiest stuff that it takes to get that high now, now when you go down just to one woman and to one man, when you get down to that, that, that environment now, now in young people, 20-something years old, they're counting, guys, I've had these interactions here. They're going, what's going on? I'm like, yo, this is your problem, man. You need to stop consuming porn because the reality is, is that it's affecting your ability. So men have been reported, research studies again, show that men who quit the porn are able to get back up and in service again. 
And so the reality is, is that this is a major problem within society today. With, and the reason is, it's the problem is because it's not just a normal stimulus. Normal doesn't do it anymore. You need super stimulus. And think about how that will make your spouse feel. And how that will cause an emotional distance and shut down. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, so I'm not even going to spend too much time on it. But a couple things. What about the, the, obviously, I've already talked about the tension caused by mismatch of sex expectations, okay? Um, it's going to affect you in ways that I already talked about. Let's talk about depression. Why would I feel in a funk if I use pornography? Many people who are compulsive in their, in their, their use of pornography find themselves in a funk and depressed. Why is that? Here's why. What happens is if, again, the dopamine overfloods the sensory in the receptors, what once, think about what the definition of, of, of uh, depression really is. It's what once gave me, uh, I lack the motivation to pursue the things that once gave me joy. Depression. I lack the motivation, but what is your motivation? To do things that give you joy. Dopamine. So what's the connection? If your brain has been desensitized to normal amounts of dopamine, because I don't know if you knew this, but eating, drinking, like gambling, nothing gives you a greater shot of dopamine in your system like a sexual encounter does. So what happens is, what happens is that because you need super stimuli to get to a place of re releasing dopamine in your system now, to give you the kind of woo, arousal and stimulus you need, what happens is normal stimulus now no longer does it, so you lack dopamine in your system because it doesn't even recognize it, and therefore you lack the normal motivation because dopamine is the motivation, the drive to pursue something. If, you, if it's not working, you lack the drive and the motivation to pursue the things you want to enjoy. It's depression. It actually makes a lot of sense. And you find yourself in a headspace that's really funky. What about social anxiety? Again, if you've objectified everyone and everything around you, now you get in an environment, do you think your brain's gonna go, now don't look at these ones like that? And this group, don't look at these ones like that? No, you've trained your brain to look at everything and everyone like that. And so now that you get into a worship service, they're trying to lead worship, and you're thinking, oh, I'm sorry, worship leaders, that's awkward for you. But the reality is, can I just be honest, that this is a struggle, and you don't even look at me and tell me I'm wrong. I know I'm right, because... Guess what? I once was compulsive in my diet when I was a young, formative teenager, too. The difference was is I got up in front of a whole church and said, guys, I did this for real. This is crazy, right? There's a reason I got the mic, guys, I guess. Uh, I've been drawn to it for a long time. I got 400 people and said, I look at porn. And my parents were in the room. They didn't have a clue. They're like, and everyone's like looking at my parents. And I'm like, the Bible says if you confess your sins to one another, you will be healed. I got a lot of accountability now. <laughs> and, and everyone lost their minds and they came to this thing. But actually, it actually, you know what happened? That conversation only started a conversation in the church. Ends up getting people on staff at this church end up getting let go because it turns out from that conversation that they, their porn addictions get caught at work. And they start bringing in the work because the social anxiety. See, here's another thing. Not only is the social anxiety obvious for what reasons I just told you. Let's look at the social norms that get pushed out of, pushed out of place. Do you ever think about in today's lecture halls in unis, you see guys watching porn while the, the person is lecturing. Have you ever seen that? Raise the hand. What's going on? You wonder what's going on? Your PFC is getting inoculated. Your sensors are down. Your PFC sends your prefrontal cortex of your brain, the prefrontal lobe. You know what's going on? Is that your receptors that are actually giving you the ability to, your ability for impulse control is weakened. So now social norms are your ability to rationalize properly. To say, like, let's use food as an example. I'm not going to eat that Twinkie. I'm going to eat carrots instead. Your ability to like go, oh, and withstand, have the strength to say no to an impulse is weakened because your receptors are blunted. And so now even social norms are kind of wiped out of the way and people are watching porn in groups. Like, what is going on? You're at school. I'll turn it down in case one of you are here and that's you. But I just want you to know, this is how far, you don't even, you can't rationalize and say no to the impulses because your social norm is equally knocked out of place now because of what's happening in your brain. And impulse control is a massive part of what we're not able to do. Like I said, there are several factors that lead to humble frontality. But research suggests that reduced dopamine receptors in the, in the prefrontal cortex is part of what weakens your executive functioning, leading to a reduction in willpower and impulse control. This is yet another reason why men who look at porn but want to stop have a hard time doing so. Their ability to say no to the very primal drives that is weakened by the very thing they're trying to quit. 
It's wild. So, why am I so triggered? Your brain is mapping the route you took. So take this down. They're, they're mapping location, time. Some of you, you look at porn when your wife goes to bed. And you have a location, your office at 3 a.m. And you use a certain gadget or a device. And so you flip that open. Time, location. And so at those times of the night or that time of the morning or that whatever. Have you guys ever got like an eating compulsion? Like anybody like have like habits that they formed that... Like at 8 a.m., I'm not even hungry. Or 8 p.m., I'm not even hungry. But for some reason, I'm like, I want shreddies with honey on top and milk. Or like you get a movie and just immediately, I need popcorn and a Pepsi. I don't even drink pop anymore, but I want a Pepsi. Because for years, you formed a habit that accessed your reward center and gave you a shot of dopamine. And that dopamine made a pathway. And that pathway, while it may not have been used lately, always exists. It may get a little bit overgrown for lack of use, because the whole idea of neuroplasticity, the whole idea of neuron, uh, neural pathways is if you don't use it, you lose it, right? Some of you are thinking, if I don't use my sexual urge, I'm gonna lose my sexual, no, you won't, trust me, you'll be fine. <laughs> Doesn't apply to that one, okay? I promise you, you're gonna look and see and you're gonna say the Lord is good, okay? But I want you to understand why you're so triggered. Habit researchers have shown that almost all cues, the thing that reminds or triggers your brain to seek reward through a certain behavior, falls into one of five categories. Location, time, emotional state. This is a big one, this one. Emotional state. Sometimes my, my kids are in the back of the car, and I don't know if you got those kids. Like, you believe in God because you have kids because you, you can see, like, demonic activity in the back of your car sometimes. You know, like, you know. In the back of your car, they're like looking at you and they're going, ah, like, it almost like, like, they're like, are we there yet? And sometimes you're like, what in the world? It sounds like it hurts. It sounds like their boredom is physically hurting them. And what are they doing? They're innately seeking for pleasure from their boredom. They want to they trip out of this boredom. They got to get out of it. They wanna, I wanna, this is why the unending scrolling of social media is also compulsive and addictive like a crack berry. Why? Because it's rewarding you something. The likes is hitting dopamine and you're getting addicted to now you're creating a pathway to go back to the same science is working here. But location, time, emotional state. Can I just give you an acronym? Here's some emotional states that are triggers for you. Bored. Write this out. Bored. Lonely. Anxious. Stressed. And tired. Those are five of the most common triggers on an emotional state why we turn to unhealthy forms of habits, unhealthy habits rather than healthy ones. Bored, lonely, anxious, stressed, tired. When I'm bored, sometimes I'm like, what are you doing? You know, doing that, dude. You caught your brother. You know, you're like, what are you doing doing that? Oh, I was just bored. Boredom can lead you to some funky things. Think about David on the roof of it. Remember with Bathsheba? She was taking a bath. The wonder her name was Bathsheba. Are you kidding me? But do you remember what he was doing? It was 3 p.m. in the afternoon. He just crawled out of bed. And the dude should have been out to war, but he was bored. And what did it do? Led to adultery. He called her in. Take your eye, his wife. And then that whole thing went up. Boredom triggered him. What about lonely? Some of you are so isolated and lonely, you don't feel like anybody sees you. And did you know that addiction and, and the lack of connection, there has been a now a strong research paper showing that addiction is actually fueled by a lack of community and connection. That when rats were put in a thing, they were given heroin on one little squeegee bottle that they could drink from, water laced with heroin, and water, just normal water. When they were left to themselves in isolation, they would literally drink the heroin water till they literally OD'd and died. But then they were put in a group of 20 other rats, both male and female, and they started families. And it literally says that no one, none of them touched the heroin water. They drank from the water and started families and played and had like a little rat park. Literally, research rat park. You can discover it yourself. I want you to understand that addiction is fueled oftentimes by lack of connection. So boredom, lonely, anxious. What do we want to feel when we're anxious? We want to feel safe, secure. So what do we do? We turn to intimacy, right? We feel stressed. What do we do? Man, I just want to feel like good. I just want to feel like this. Oh, I just, I just, so uh, just whatever you got. Tired. You know what happens when you're tired? You don't have the stamina to say no sometimes. You're like so weak and you're just so exhausted emotionally that some of the things you would never turn to, you find yourself turning to. What about other people? Other people can be triggers or immediately preceding action. Your brain is paying attention to the cues that are connected with reward. Once it recognizes the cue, dopamine is released to get you craving and wanting to do whatever it takes to get that reward again. Again, I said it a million times, but there you have it. So how do I, what do I do in the two minutes that I have right here? Oh man, shoot. Maybe we should just do another week, yeah, but um, I'll give you real quick what you do. 
How do I quit porn? How do I shake it? Well, the good news is that it can be reversed. Because here's what you learned. You learned that the reason you like it so much and that you're compulsively addicted to it, if you want to use that word, or attracted to it so strongly is because you've taught your brain a habit. You're solidifying habits and reward centers and all this, you know, you repeat. How many of you guys know the leadership principles? They'll reward what you, you know, they'll repeat what you reward. Well, you know that inherently through your brain. Okay, so you got to reboot and rewire. you got to create new neurological pathways. So how do you do that? One, you need to stop using the paths and the things that triggered you. You should probably take a look at what's triggering you. Identify all the things that cause you to feel like, ooh, what are the things that, you know, Prick that, trigger. This is where I would say, create some parameters, a fence around that. You know the, the Jews, 613 laws around God's laws. Why? I think they were creating a fence around the thing. No, going through that fence wasn't a sin in and of itself, but going to the thing was in their mind. So they wanted to keep you away from it. So I would say create a buffer, create some space for the spirit to move. You know what I'm saying? Right now your life is so full of other things. You need to like create a fence, but identify where the pitfalls are and create some guardrails. That's what we do in the road. That's what we do with cliffs and mountainsides. You don't fall off the side of the cliffs because we put guardrails. You know guardrails are a good thing. They're called parameters. And we should have some real strong parameters. And when you put those parameters in, what good is a parameter without any accountability? So that you also need to know the power of parameter, but you need to know the power of people in your life. If you're sitting with this thing alone in isolation and, and you're shamed because, and you're shunned, you, I want you to know, you do still have a seat at the table, but you're not going to live like one at the table because you're going to live in a social anxiety. You're going to live with like, lower impulses. You're going to live uh, in a funk potentially. You're going to find yourself not able to experience the kind of community that God wants you because you're not willing to bring it forward. You need people in your life to help you and help tell you who you are. See to it that no one regretted to the, to the, the flesh, but they were all uh, seen as, um, regard no one according to the flesh, but as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Last thing you want to do is make them feel like worse for telling you. If they do come forward, can I just say, okay, it is what it is. And if it's your spouse you're telling, you're probably going to need to talk to someone else as well to help them to realize that they need to go to their safe person to talk to and process it with. Last thing you want to do, though, is sheep, hate more shame on them for coming forward with it. If we live in the age of grace where we regard no one according to the flesh, but according to the new creation in Christ Jesus, then tell them who they are in Christ. You're not a sexual pervert, and you're not some unclean, flipping leper. Stop it. We're not, we're only, then, but I get it because you're triggered from their trigger and it triggers your insecurities. Then we also attack and it becomes this vicious cycle. We got to stop the cycle and help one another. You know what? I'm out of time, but why don't we carry the conversation? There's so much more to say. We can carry it into, you know, maybe next week in baptisms next week. Maybe not next week. <laughs> can we just, re, we'll revisit this, but hey, if you learned something today, can you give me a wave? Come on. I pray that, honestly, my, my hope for you is that you find hope and healing in Christ and that you truly find the wholeness that he died to give you. To realize there are some real-life consequences that we haven't even gone through them all yet. There are so many more that research papers are actually showing, but only going in line with the Word of God. Do you know, by the way, when you equate dopamine, can I just say this in close? We'll get everyone to stay still for a second, okay? When you actually equate the dopamine hit to things that are healthy, it creates a bond and a glue. So sexual intercourse was designed between a man and a woman. And so when you smell the scent of your wife, it ought to give you a little hit of dopamine. When you do that kiss, it releases dopamine. And it should solidify the things you want it to solidify to, which causes monogamy and actually creates a place where you have a place one partner. And you do, but when you put that across the market, you are actually now working against you. He who commits sexual immorality destroys his own soul. They don't realize they're sinning against themselves. Did you know that many people are struggling in their marriages today because of pornography? Many marriages have broken up. People have lost jobs. People are bringing it to school and getting kicked out of programs. It has become an issue that we need to talk about. My hope for you is that this is a safe space to bring it forward, that shame would be out of the language of this house. But that you'd realize, oh, we love you, man. You're normal. You're cool. Let's talk about it. You might think, well, how do I know I'm not weird? You're not weird. Trust me. You're not weird. I don't think there's such a thing as weird. We're all weird in our own right. Everyone thinks someone else is weird, okay? But the reality is we got your back here at my church. And I pray that as a church, we'd be somebody who would become a, a light to the world of example to them. Anyways.
Let me pray with you real quick. Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you so much for all those that are here at the listening. Father, I pray that this sermon would just speak to so many people, set people free. God, I pray that we'd be free from the, the things that so often can shackle us, those chains, the choices, the habits, the automatic, the identity, the nature. God, thank you that it is not our nature, that we are, that we are sons and daughters of Christ. That is who we are. That we are who you say we are. And so, Father, I thank you for that truth, that there is no weapon formed against us that shall prosper, that we are free in Christ that sin shall not have dominion in Jesus name Father would you help us to stand in the wholeness that you desire to give us and help us to create community that where true intimacy would start to happen where social anxiety would fall or depression would be depleted and that true joy would come back to the forefront in Jesus name and everybody said Amen, Amen. Love you guys Have the best week We hope this message blessed and encouraged you To find out more about our church, visit mychurchcanada.com.